Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. In a moment, we'll look at the issue of private investigations, right? Uh, and what it entails, especially where you have a murder like what we are seeing in the instance of Hillary Gadi, and you have uh, an organization like the EFF that is saying they're conducting their own investigation into her killing. What is the process of gathering that evidence and what role does it play in terms of the state's own case and the state's own investigation uh, that they'll be conducting. Uh, Chad Thomas will be joining us for that. Uh, before we go to Chad, however, let me take Mzi in the Eastern Cape. Good morning, Mzi. Uh, hi, Mzi. No, hi, hi, Mzi. Yes, hello. Uh, 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 no, hi, Kathy, how are you? I'm all right. How are you, Mzi? I'm good. I'm good, this one. Mm. Sorry about that. Kathy, uh, I've been listening for FAFM for since 2000. Mm. There's one thing that I, I keep on picking up, and I'm a little bit confused. You've got a leader of an opposition party called Malema, EFF. Long, not long time ago, he was condemning Operation Dudula, rightfully so educating us about the importance of law. He said, we have laws in this country. We can't have a vigilante in South Africa. Later yesterday, if you listen to his clip, they've got a private investigation. He said, if they found these people, there's no guarantee that they will turn to police alive. Is it not... This guy encouraging vigilante? Well, Mzi, I don't, if I remember the quote correctly, he didn't say there's no guarantee they'll hand them over alive. He just alluded to the fact that they wouldn't be held responsible for what they would do to these individuals. But of course, um, the natural assumption is that, um, you know, then you have to question what they would do to these uh, said subjects, uh, said suspects rather, if, if they were the first ones to, to find them. Exactly. Mm, mm. What, why are they not, because they said we must rely to police, why are they not folding their arms and wait for the police to do their work? Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not even a month. He's, he's changing now. They are there. They are not trying to do so. The same pressure that the people are, 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 are feeling is the same now to him. Now he is going to, to be a police and doing investigations for what? Because it affects them directly. It's the same thing that affects us. Hence, we are taking, we are being active citizens. Because this guy has been making all kinds of things. The vigilante that he's talking about, he was the one who was a leader in, in banning, uh, he never banned it, but his supporters, banning cliques. We've seen the damages which were done to cliques. Today, you say this. Burning what, Mzi? Cliques. You remember the story of cliques? Oh, cliques. Oh, cliques. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry, yeah. I, I didn't hear you correctly there. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 You never said a word. We must be consistent if it is wrong for, for, it must be wrong for anyone.
Thank you, Susan. That's what I want to say. All right, Mzee. I think it's a very important point that you're raising there. And uh, in fact, uh, I saw an article this morning where um, they're questioning if, in fact, Malema was, um, you know, inciting violence, if he could be. Uh, held accountable for inciting violence or for those comments that uh, he made. But I think that there was very different opinions from um, some of the the guests or the experts that, that were spoken to in that article, really divided opinion on, on whether what he said can be seen as, um, as, as as inciting vigilantism. But yeah, I take the point, um, Z. Aisha and Uppington, good morning. Good morning, Kathy. I know that you have a problem with time, so I just want to tell you, time is a continuum, and and when the universe is in alignment is the time. Then I'd, I'd oh, like wow, to... Oh, Aisha. Okay, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd like to wish my condolences to the Gaudi family, and I'd like to offer a practical solution to the GBV problem that we have in the country. In every street, all the men in the street, when there is a, uh, when there's GBV taking place, the men in the street must go and stop that man. We must, as a nation, display a zero tolerance to every inch of this land. And then I'd, the other thing that I want to say to you is keep your eye on Northwest and Eastern Cape money. And the last thing is uh, the, the, this um, new, new law that they want to bring in for independent candidates. When it, uh, Cedric Frawley comes, ask him why they only want to make 200 independent candidates and not for all MPs if they are confident that they're going to win. All right. Thank you. All right, Aisha. Thanks for that. I will certainly note that question down for uh, the second hour of the show. Let me bring in now Chad Thomas, who is an organized crime investigator at IRS Forensic Investigations. Chad, uh, thank you so much for making time for us on such short notice. Good morning. Good morning to you and the listeners. I found it interesting that, um, you know, in, in a case like that of Hillary Gadi, you have the police being criticized for the work that they're doing, which is really not new, right? It is consistent with many cases um, that, that we have seen in this country, regardless of what the crime may be. But this idea of having a private, a, a private investigation into a crime that has been committed. How does that work? So firstly, I'd like to extend our condolences to the family of Hillary Gardy, as well as to all the families of of victims of crime in South Africa. Crime, as we know, is is very rampant. Um, I myself am a registered crime investigator, and the law allows for us to investigate certain crimes under certain circumstances. We don't have any... Um, extraordinary powers, except the fact that we are regulated um, as a security service provider by CIRA. A lot of people have lost faith in the police, and therefore we've seen an increase in instructions to the private sector for the investigation of certain crimes. Now, the crimes that we see being investigated in the private sector are primarily financial-related crimes, because that you don't need to go into laboratories, you don't need post-mortem reports, you don't need forensics. 
And this is the greatest concern we have, is that there's a lot of people that are trying to move into a space which is a very specialized space, which is the role of the police, especially when it comes to uh, murder-related cases or cases involving sexual assault where there's a forensic element to it. And we need to understand that private investigators cannot overstep the mark and try and insert themselves into an investigation right at the outset because the police have processes and protocols to follow. And we have to give them time in which they get that post-mortem report back that they can confirm, in fact, how the person passed away. We could see, for example, on another victim, there could have been multiple ways a person could have passed away. There could have been a group attack. A person could have been stabbed in the side. They could have been hit on the head with a club. And we may not be completely certain how that person, what the, 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 the death knell was. So in this particular instance, to criticize the police by saying that the police didn't know that she had been shot and killed is very premature because we need to see the outcome of the post-mortem and we need to see the outcome of the initial crime scene assessment. And and it, it, it's such an important detail uh, to be able to speak to because, um, like I said, the police are criticized and, and oftentimes rightfully so. Um, but with, an, in, with a case like this that's so high profile, um, how much more difficult does it make it? And as far as the information that's coming out there, let's say what is being discovered, as the family was telling us, through a post-mortem versus what the police are saying publicly about what, again, the very same post-mortem has revealed. So I think the police have learned a lot from the Maguire case especially when it's a high-profile individual that's involved. They need to control the flow of information. They may know something that they are working on as a lead, and they can't share that because they may um, inadvertently warn the perpetrator that they have information that could lead them to that perpetrator. Like, for example, we've heard that money was withdrawn from Hillary's account um, prior to what has now been termed an execution-style murder. Again, a lot of premature speculation, and the police should be allowed a period of time. And the police sometimes can be their own worst enemy because they talk about the 72-hour plan that they, they institute. And everybody's then expecting a lot of reaction from the police within those 72 hours. And therein lies a grave concern because although that 72-hour activation plan is to bring all the necessary role players together, it doesn't mean they're going to solve the crime in 72 hours. It means that they're getting their processes and protocols in place within those 72 hours so that they have the best possible team to investigate going forward. Mm. And, and so, and, and so uh, Chad, just to come back to what you were saying about the, the principles that guide or the regulations that guide what, let's say, a, a private investigator can do versus um, what the police can do. So you're saying that private investigators can't investigate murder cases. Private investigators can investigate murder cases that have gone cold, in my opinion, mm. where all the results have been documented and they're available to the family, they're then available to the private investigators. But that takes some time. That's why I say that private investigators can generally get involved in a cold case. For a private investigator to get involved in a case as it's occurred, especially when it comes to a case that involves extensive forensics, extensive protocols and processes needing to be followed, by various state agencies, that private investigator could cause a problem within the investigation because they are now asking for information on behalf of the family, which they may not necessarily be entitled to ask for, and they could inadvertently 
start investigating the matter in a parallel process that could prejudice the actual case. Because if they don't obtain the evidence in the correct manner and fashion, we talk to what, what is called the fruit of the poison tree. In other words, that evidence becomes inadmissible. So private investigators fulfill a very important role in South Africa. The, the, the fact remains is that if we look at the policing of our streets, the patrolling of suburbia, we've seen that private security companies have taken up that role. And we've seen with the investigation of, of high-profile financial type crime, we've seen financial investigators from law firms, from accounting firms taking up that role. But when it comes to something as intimate as a murder or a sexual assault or something along those lines, it's a very thin line that a private investigator treads. And they have to be exceptionally careful because they don't want to go immediately to a crime scene and perhaps contaminate that scene if that team hasn't been handed over yet or that team hasn't been closed. They don't want to just arrive at the pathology laboratory and start demanding documentation because that can interfere with the investigation. And this is something we try to educate people that want to move into the private investigation space about. The police have a critical role to play and the private investigation sector play a supporting function in respect to that. All right, Chad, thank you so much for breaking it down for us. Chad Thomas, organized a crime investigator at IRS Forensic Investigations. So as you heard there, a process that needs to be navigated quite carefully if one is to ensure that it doesn't compromise the actual investigation by police. Of course, it also just points to Um, the declining levels of trust. You heard from Chad saying more and more people are going the route of having their matters investigated privately. Uh, Let me invite onto the show Andy Mashaili, uh, who is an ambassador for Interpol's Turn Back Crime campaign. Uh, Andy, good morning to you. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, Stacey, um, it's wonderful to be on the heavyweight championship show of uh, mid-mornings um, <laughs> listening to a heavyweight champion introducing me. Well, that's a, that's very, very kind of you, Ndadema uh, Thank you for, for, for being able to, to weigh in on this conversation. Of course, the big issue here is really about declining levels of trust in the police. It is, it is a fact. Um, when you see people not reporting crimes, when you see people taking the law into their own hands, look at the number of... Uh, mob justice incidents and there's quite a number of uh, smaller yana examples that we can bring into play uh, to prove that people are losing confidence in the police um i have observed and spoken to people ask them why is it that you didn't you, you don't want to go to the police about this matter and some of the responses that i got from a a, a white array of people in my research when it comes to crime prevention and crime combating as I used to mobilize um, communities in South Africa, you know very well from our days when we met in Makausa and Primrose, yourself and I, and you were on some TV uh, show. Andy, you know, when, when it comes to the options that are available to families, you know, it's very easy to sit back and say, well, allow the police to do their jobs. But families who are who don't have that hope and that trust in the police who feel like they want answers. It's a very difficult thing for them for them to do. Um, it is very difficult. Uh, Casey, I have a situation. I, I, I am sure that um, I've been speaking about this for quite some time. 
my daughter was gang raped and in 2007 by some 14 young men and they're still walking the streets now because they were underage whether they were really underage at that point in time that i cannot prove but long story short old uh, cases members of the family uh, of the victim uh, would want every stone um turned upside down for them to get to know who killed or who harmed um, their family member and also um, will do anything uh, to make sure that the docket doesn't uh, go missing, the docket uh, doesn't disappear, this or that does not happen, as we have seen uh, from many other experiences uh, in the um, public space, in the media, be the print media and, 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 and electronic media. I'm sorry to hear about what happened uh, to your daughter, Andy. How did you as a family deal with it? Talk to me about the process of, of trying to get answers. Um, out Casey, I was already in the, uh, the law enforcement um, um, community um, um, initiative. Uh, it was very traumatic the first day. Imagine when this gets brought to the father. Um, my daughter by then was 17 years old. She's now 27 years of age. She turned 27 on the 1st of May. You, you can imagine the anger that the father goes through. Um, even though you're trying to calm down and cool yourself um, to such an extent that you don't do anything stupid. And anything stupid would be to go get an AK-47 legal, illegal, or you get an R5 illegal legally or illegally and you uh, you you are trying to say i don't have to do anything stupid i don't have to do anything stupid you guess you get sleepless night i'm talking as a father and i love my daughter now and 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 and, and by then and let me tell you something um i allowed the police to do what they were supposed to do and as a woman investigator may have so rest in peace investigated the case and found out uh, that they were um, underage, and the one thing is, my daughter's drink was spiked, so she has no, she had no recollection of what happened. She went to a party, and she got, um, maybe she left a drink on the table. I don't actually know what happened from a drinking point of view, and she got spiked. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. I don't wish to get emotional on your show. I want to say these things happen, and family members get uh, fully cheated under the collar. They want to deal with the perpetrators immediately. Uh, and, Hell, and, yeah. and and the investigation, it came to naught? Uh, the investigation unfolded and, and um, uh, it, we were told that they were underage and therefore could not be prosecuted. And they were still walking, still walking the streets. And I hope and pray that those who committed the crime in Pumalanga ran for their lives and have nowhere to hide. Um, it is my wish that the police do what they expected to do, hunt them down like dogs hunting a, 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 a rabbit. And when they find that rabbit, that rabbit um, must be put in its right place. And, and how, how is your daughter doing today, Andy, if you don't mind my asking? I was Casey. Um, my daughter was traumatized. She couldn't. She was not ready for counseling. And... Um, even now, my daughter is not that okay because she never went for counseling. She never, you know, the anger that's sitting inside you. Even though you do your best to try and get 
assistance and help and many of those things. Uh, I am hoping and praying that she will turn around now that she's growing up. She will turn around and, 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 and get counseling one day. So it's such a difficult, difficult situation to have to live through and, and overcome in, in the course of, of one's life. So what do you encourage people then to do, Andy, those who find themselves in this situation, families who are, you know, grappling with the grief, grappling with the tragedy, but also wanting answers? Uh, from a policing point of view, uh, police would uh, involve um, or invoke the partnership of the communities uh, from a simple point of view that would, you and I would call a force multiplier kind of thing so that you have community intelligence. Uh, someone knows something somewhere. Um, someone might have seen what has happened there in Pumalanga when uh, that woman was being kidnapped. Um, something, someone might have seen the registration number. Someone might have seen uh, when those uh, evil men or evil human beings drop off the little girl next to where uh, Hillary was staying. Someone knows someone. Someone sees something or someone uh, was with them. And if you are with them and you are listening to this show, uh, we are appealing to your conscience. Um, spill the beans. Uh, tell the police what happened. Make it easy for the family and make it easy on you um, so that uh, you can live a happy life and a clean life uh, after the necessary punishment that you'd be going through. Um, from a grief point of view, uh, it will take some time out, Casey. I, I'm honest with you. I am a matured man. You know me. I, 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 I am an international leader now. I'm representing South Africa internationally, 194 countries where this campaign is going. But the father in me sometimes takes the leader and separates the leader. You see your daughter, you see... Uh, your daughter uh, is short-sighted and you take your daughter um, to uh, the optician or optometrist. You sit there and you look at your daughter and on the inside you're praying that them would you please help her so that she can become better. And by then, by now she has a little beautiful young boy who has uh, started, he's now at, at crash this year, started uh, schooling this year. And you sit with your grandson, you have your grandson. Um, you are saying on the inside, don't be like other bad people that you've seen. So one of those things that you do is you focus on the wellness of your daughter or of, uh, uh, of the little one who's now left behind as a family. Uh, the energy that you have and um, that you picked up from the evil that has happened to you, you turn it into love, you play with the little one, you take him out, you go walk at the mall with the little one. I normally would pick up my grandson and put him on my lap uh, sit in the car and say and and we play that and uh, we play the driver. She's driving. We're racing. We're sitting in the car. We, you know, that's how you that's how you heal yourself. That's how you you focus on important things. Mm-hmm. Uh, school opening. You go with your your young your your grandson and you go with the I go with her to with him to uh, school uniform. I um, go buy things. You know, it it helps to deal with the anger. It's going mm-hmm. to take some time, but I've accepted it. Andy Mashaile, let's leave it there for this morning. Ambassador for uh, Interpol's Turn Back Crime campaign.